Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Do a nice little rolling start. The uh, so we're live now. Um, my guests today um, graduated high school together, and I've known you now for how old am I? Old enough to sixteen? Oh 15, my goodness, seventeen. It's been a while, almost twenty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that ballpark, um, and we ended up meeting back up a few years ago. Got kind of reconnected, which was a lot of fun, and now, like I said back living in the area doing your thing so mr chad rawlings well thank you thank you galen thank was, that, was that an okay intro it's yeah, a vague intro yeah. but i don't want to say too much because i wanted to let you oh, like no that's fine it. yeah it's good it's it good. started yeah. easy that's nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice so um so i've known chad chad i uh obviously i want to ask you a bunch of questions but for people that do not know you kind of give them a little rundown who chad rawlings is who is Chad Rollings? That is the question. Um, is it Rollings or Rollings? Rollings. You know, like rolling down a hill with an S. So I've been pronouncing your name wrong for 20 years. Yeah, you probably have. A so lot of people do. Chad Rollings. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's, I've already butchered it three times before. So Chad <laughs> Rollings. So that'd be good. I'll put the phonetic in there. There you go. There you go. Put the roll in there. That's it. <laughs> roll the R. Um, I don't know. Like, I've had a tough life. I've put myself through the ringer. Um, you know, who am I now? Um, I would say a helper. I would say I like to go the extra mile for people, you know, that need it. So, um, if so, if I back you up, you grew up in Shazy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So Shazy went to Shazy school, graduated. We we're same class. Great place. Yeah. Um, great place. Great place. Um, really fun memories of, oh, of high school. Yeah. Now you obviously look at like everything's different. Like we're. Tall. Oh my. Oh yeah. You know we're already a full like we went we basically went through school again yeah graduated yeah i thought about that last year I think well it was. i mean for me that was 20 years yeah i so mean you I, got your money's I, worth out of it yeah it, absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah so um but yeah so i I'm, on my schedule or i i went through twice so we're getting to the chad schedule which is all good so the uh so shazy um graduated in 08 um yep. now Basically, kind of give us a storyline from that point to now. So, 2008 to 2021. So, 2008, let's see. I graduated, went to college, did a little bit of DeVry, or not DeVry, Art Institute of Pittsburgh, tried to become a gamer. Didn't work so well. Ended up dropping out. I think that's when I caught my next felony, and then I ended up getting some prison time. So, actually, so gaming... Yeah, I was Bef- going to go for Bef- gaming. Yeah. Before gaming was like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was getting there. Um, and then I went for wind turbine at Clinton, actually. Then I dropped out of there. And yeah, that was a whole thing. And got more into drugs, you know. So when you... How many times were you arrested for drugs? Um, I have two felonies. So twice. Okay, and both at young age? A fairly young age? Uh, 18 was the first one. And then... 21? 21 was the second one. And so 21 was the one that ended up in prison time. Yep. Okay. So 
Um, so no, 16 for the first one. Because so five years 16. probation. Yep. So 16 and then you got 21 right after. Yep. So you were just off of probation. Oh, yeah. I was off probation for a month and got picked up for my next one. Were, were you doing drugs? I mean, obviously, like during that time you were on probation, was that something that you were pretty strict on? Off and on. Yeah. I was off and on. Um, I'd have periods of sobriety and then, you know, something would come up and get right back into it, you know, get back into the dealing, making that money. And then... There goes the consequences, you know, like, <laughs> so what was, um, what kind of drugs were you dealing with back then? Oh, multitudes, um, pretty much whatever I can get my hands on. And you were just kind of like a runner between people or were you actually the one like somehow getting it, selling it? Uh, for Shazy, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's not like that was like the head honcho, you know, I'll put that in air quotes just so everybody knows. Um, but I, I was just living like, I, you know, I, I, I would sell to use mm-hmm. and that was free using I'd work, you know, and you know, I got to keep the money up. You got to keep the, the profile of myself up, you know, so to have that kind of money coming in and then to be dealing on the side, you know, it's more money on top of that. Mm-hmm. So like, it was always like a revolving door and you know, you'd get ripped off and you'd have to put that money back in somehow. But you know, it just, it's what the life is. This is what the life is. How, so how long did you do that for? Oh, oh my. Let's see. I was 13 when I really, when I started using weed, but that wasn't like, it was really 16 I really started to get into it and until let's see until I was about 20 21 22 somewhere around there before I went to to prison um so like the hustle of that is that cuz this is a thing with like people that sell drugs like mm-hmm. you're a great salesperson oh, absolutely. I know it sounds crazy like absolutely like a legal substance but you're almost more keenly aware because there's obviously major consequences, but well, it's easy. I mean, you, your product is already ready to be sold. The the, the 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 person that wants it, so there's not really anything. It's just a phone call. Hey, where are you at? Okay, I'll be there. But and do you then, think there's a lot of like a lot of organization, a lot of connect? Like, I mean, you, I'm thinking like from a drug standpoint, if you're selling drugs, I, I mean, you gotta obviously there's I guess internal rules to selling drugs. Like, you know, if somebody like said stiffed you for cash. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm sure. There's like stuff you had to deal with. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with obviously people that probably weren't in the right state of mind certain times. Oh, when absolutely. They're dealing with you, so I mean, it's a dangerous situation anytime you do it. I mean, depending on who you're dealing with, the mental state of the person. I mean, now that I'm in the field of you know substance abuse, it's a whole another situation because I can you know look back and put myself in somebody else's shoes that isn't using or you know even the user. So during during uh, sixteen to twenty one, how many times were you were you sober during that? I would say, or what was your longest stretch or average stretch? Oh, this is my longest stretch right now. Uh, but I mean, prior to this, yeah, um, I would say about two years. Oh, so that's pretty good. But you know, I was still doing nefarious things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mentally, I was still an addiction, which you know that's that's the main thing to look at like when you're dealing with someone with addiction it's the mental state and that's where mainly the addiction comes from because dealing with that like as you're going through like you know we feel things right Mm -hmm. so if someone doesn't want to feel something you know put something up your nose or drink some alcohol and oh it all goes away and then you're numb and Mm -hmm. you don't feel anything so doing that daily you know it's going to have some 
consequences on your body and your mental health to when you actually do feel these things. And it's a whole nother situation. Now you have to deal with all the past stuff that you didn't want to feel. Were you ever um, alcohol addiction at all? Not so much. Um, I mean, I was a binger. Like, Mm -hmm. I would binge drink, like... When I was like 18 till 21, once I hit 21, it lost its fun. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I remember, I remember drinking with you back in the day here and there, but it wasn't like, I don't remember you being like, man, Chad's always drinking or drunk all the time. No, it was more no. like, you go to a party, you're going to binge drink like any other teenage kid that's, yep. you know, got, got a night of alcohol. So, yep. um, so, okay. So the, it went, why, what was the, what was the draw for you to get into drugs? For me, it was an escape of reality. Um, I mean, home life, my home life was good, but it wasn't, I didn't get a lot of attention, I guess you could say, but at the same time I did, but I just not the tension that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my way of escaping. So, you know, seventh grade comes around and I started smoking weed and I was about in fifth grade when I took my first hit and you know, sixth grade, you know, it was like kind of like hit or miss, you know, use it every so often. And then seventh grade hit and I was smoking practically every day. And I got into this mentality in a way of, I don't care about anything. You know, my first year of seventh grade. So I went through seventh grade three times. (laughs) And my first year, I literally did nothing. I think I had um, a 15 grade point average. When I got my report card for the end of the year, yeah, um, no one was too happy about that. Um, so I ended up going through seventh grade again. And a lot of people always said, oh, you're going to drop out because, you know, I was living the life. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing it. And I didn't care. I didn't listen to any of that. So, you know, second year, I actually tried the second year. And I got a 62. And I'm just like, so I go through it again. And I passed. I think is when you joined our class. Nope, not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I go, you know, get into eighth grade and I, I'm still, I'm still using weed and, you know, I, I was, you know how I was in class, like even back then, like even before that, like I was always the class clown. Yeah. I wanted to get the rise out of the class and I don't know if you remember Mrs. Baldwin. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like I would sit in the back of her class and just mock, like I, I was the most hated student with teachers. Mrs. <laughs> Fulton hated me with a passion. Miss um, <laughs> Burnell, oh my God. That was a whole nother situation. So <clears throat> I'm going through eighth grade and it's, it's all kosher. And then I, I'm in earth science and uh, I ended up failing earth science. And somehow I, I pulled myself out of that one. I don't know how. So I get to ninth grade and I failed ninth grade. That's when I got in your class. Okay. Yep. That's when that happened. <laughs> yep. And that's about, no, I didn't get on probation until senior year. So yeah, I mean, after, so I went through ninth, that was, the second time was fine. The, then I went through 10th, that was good. 11th grade got a little rocky. Um, rocky from drugs? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I ended up, um, so pretty much like if I, I was going to fail 11th grade. So I had to go to summer school in order to stay in school because if I would have repeated 11th grade, I would have been too old to graduate. And of course, you can't have beer in school. So um, so that's kind of what lit a fire under me. And I was just like, okay, I, I want to graduate. I mean, I'd like to. Um, so I did summer school. And 
that's when September came around and I was indicted for my first charge of, and that was ecstasy. This was going into senior year. Yes. Okay. Yep. And that's Junior when, yep. yep. That's when I, uh, I caught that charge and yeah. Cause that was, that was early on in the year you said. Yeah. That was literally right after my birthday. Okay. I, I thought right before I kind of remember a little bit of it back then, but so that was, yeah. Cause you never failed at that point. Nope. Did, did you ever think about dropping out of school or were you always focused on finishing? Um, I mean, it crossed my mind, but I knew the consequences of that, you know, like, I mean, I enjoyed school, you know, after, after the 10th grade, I mean, we played soccer together in mm-hmm. 2005, yeah. you know, went and won the championship. And I mean, that kind of helped in a way myself, mm-hmm. you know, um, kept me motivated in a way. Cause like I wanted to play that next year, but yeah. then I ended up going to summer school. So I was like, no, I'm done. I'm not doing a 2.6 five times. That's yeah. it. I'm good on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, uh, yeah, those were rough. Uh-huh. They just got done those, like right now in preseason. Mm-hmm. I'm no, like, oh, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't miss Oh, I, I remember I mean, I miss soccer, but like preseason, mm-hmm. I know I missed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you got a, okay, so going into the senior year, you got arrested the first time. You were put on, you would never serve time at all. No, I just did five years probation. I okay. did maybe like a day in jail. Okay, because I remember, I mean, you were around all senior year. Yep. I remember the senior, like senior play. You were like, a, weren't you a judge? Yeah, you're the judge, and I yeah. was the bailiff, and I, I was I was doing great senior year. Yo, I I remember, <laughs> so I think uh, Mrs. Brown was smart. She gave me three lines in the play, <laughs> and I remember one of the one of the performances. I was sitting there, and it got like pitch it was like silent. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like looking around, I'm like, someone gonna say the line, and then I realized it was my line, and I said it, and I was like, <laughs> dude, I've been zoned out for 15 minutes because like you know, like by the time I said something, I barely talked the whole time. Yep. You had a lot of lines, I had like no lines. So I was like. I just remember sitting there. I think it was me. I think Joey Bradley was the other one. We were like kind of like the guards of the. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, the, the bailiffs. The bailiffs. Yeah. 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 So we're sitting there and doing the whole thing. And of course, I screw up one of the three lines. So I'm like, my acting career was done. I was. I was. <laughs> it was a dark moment in my acting career. So, um, but yeah, I, re- I remember. I remember you all the way through, um, and then all the way, like I said, to the end of the year. So that was that was good. And then, um, from what I remember. In high school, it was exactly what you said. Just like, actually very similar to you are now. Just like, easygoing, jokester, yep. Yep. want to make people laugh, you know, like likes hanging out with people, you know. And um, So I always, like I said, I always enjoyed hanging out with you back then. And now, like I said, now we've been able to meet up like 10 years later. It's That's a whole cool. other situation, yeah. yeah. But it's still the same. Like, you haven't changed. I mean, like, at least I'm sober now, you know. Well, in, in, that, in that regard, it's Yeah, happened. but yeah, yeah that, that's a major one. But you sound, you sound, act, everything's the same. Like you said, uh, yeah, the same. Yeah. People always like, oh, you saw Chad? I'm like, yeah, he's literally like the 18-year-old or you, whatever you were. Well, you know, I didn't have a beard 20, then either, yeah, yeah. so. <laughs> um, so you, probation, you ended up going to... Um, Okay, so you went to where? CV, or C, not I went to... So I, went, so I got on probation. Um, and I graduated. Uh, actually got... I had like a, a 2.5, and that's what got me into college. So I got lucky there, um, GPA-wise. And then, so then I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Um, so they wanted me, I wanted to do gaming. Did you go down to Pittsburgh? No, 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 no. Okay. It was all online. Okay. Um, so I wanted to do gaming. They put me in graphic design, telling me that I need to get my portfolio up and this and that. So I send them new stuff in my portfolio, and they say, oh, yeah, no, not enough. So I was like, okay, then I'm not going to do this anymore. So I ended up dropping out of there and going to Clinton, I think like six months later, and I took the wind turbine um, technical 
you know, schooling thing. Mm-hmm. And math was not my subject. Um, you know, they get into the paragraphy and theorem and all that good stuff. And it's like, uh, no. <laughs> Start like Rain Man or like Goodwill Hunting. He's doing all the math. Yeah, yeah, no, not my strong suit. Um, so I ended up not doing that. And I ended up going into psychology. And then I just ended up dropping out because I was getting bigger into drugs. So that kind of and this was college yep this was college um and you said addiction wise you, you didn't have any other addiction besides drugs no i mean like i said alcohol wasn't there was no addiction no. To alcohol there was no like any well, alcohol is a drug I but mean. i mean like but i mean from a right yeah there's no like substance i mean mm-hmm. other substance abuse i mean i was i was doing everything anything and anything i can get my hands on i mean it was mainly opiates mm-hmm. i mean that was my substance of choice but you know, it, I I would dabble with coke, crack. I mean, it didn't matter what it was. And that was pretty much daily. Oh yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I mean, I was still dealing at that point, even on probation. Like, were, were you going to, um, were you going to class or working? You said you were working at the time. Yep. So I was work. Where was I working? I think I was working at Pizza Hut at the time. I worked there for a couple of years. Just like delivery or, or cook? No, just cook. Cooking. Yeah, I was cooking. Um. So. So then at 21, you, you had dropped out from the um, wind turbine Yes, by that time. And yep. that's when you got picked up a second time. Yeah, so that was around, so let's see, I was seven, no, no, that doesn't make any sense. I was, senior year, I was 20. So 25 is when I caught my next one, because it was five years after. Yeah, so that's that, a sec- was, that was the second failure? Yeah, that was 20. 2014. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be 34 on September 10th. 34. Yeah, Coming up. Days. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So, so how do you, I mean, how, like, was it just something you had, like, uh, you know, cops change? Like, I mean, following you, did, like, how did, how did it break that you got? Oh, it was uh, confidential informants. Okay. So someone came in undercover and. Yep. Yeah. So that's, I would assume that's kind of par, like, or normal how people get picked yeah, up. Yeah. It was like that, you know, remember that big bus that they had? It was like 46 people. That was back then? That back, was yeah, back in 17. Was it the same ring? Yep. Yeah. So it was all, okay, all with the yep. same, whoever you're getting the Yeah, team. everybody. Yeah, that was with that, yeah. Okay, so uh, so how long, what was the felony, what was the uh, verdict for that? So that, so my second one, you're saying? Yeah. First um, one was probation. What first was one was probation. So the second one was five years prison with two posts. And two posts is? Parole. Parole, okay. Post-supervision, as they call okay. it. Which is different than parole, but it's still parole. Um, so post-parole, okay. So years in prison, was that maximum security? Was that min? min- that was security? minimum. So okay. seven, seven years is maximum. You have to have at least seven to get max status. Okay. So anything under that is all minimum. Okay, so you were minimum prison? Well, medium, I should say. Or medium? Yeah, because they don't have medium, minimums anymore. Um, wh- now, where'd you go for that? Um, so, oh, I took a tour of the state, bud. You know, um, let's see. I went to downstate for reception. I skipped Danamora, thankfully. Um, stayed at downstate for about two weeks, which is a, a max. Um, and then at that place is like Grand Central Station. I'm not even kidding. Like, now, where's downstate? Is that the one? So downstate is hmm, probably an hour and a half from Albany, about f- an hour from the city. Okay. Yep. Um, it's like right in between there. And then, so I did two weeks down there. And then I went up to Bear Hill, which is in Malone. Um, did about eight months there. And then I went to the box because I cut a cup of dirty urines. 
Um, they did what? Dirty urines. I was still using drugs in, gotcha. in prison. Okay. Yeah, so they caught me on that. And the first one, they gave me uh, 30 days keep lock, which is like, so mediums, you're in a cube. Like, you're pretty much like cubicle, like probably the size of your desk. Okay. Um, but it's open. There's no bars. It's just like. Yeah, it's literally. It's like a dormitory. Cubicle. Kind of yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just cubicle walls. Mm-hmm. And you can see over them, they're about maybe chest high. Um, and there's 60 beds in there. So, like, you can see the whole room. And so. That was like, I, I'd had to stay in my cube um, for 30 days. So then um, they give me another urine screen and I go down. That one was for K2. The first one was for Suboxone. So when they say um, in your cube, you mean you couldn't go out for like I couldn't outside go out for a um, But you could still see everybody. Yeah, but no one's like allowed to be like in your cube or like around your cube. But, but there's no doors to your cube. It's just open. Yeah, it's just, everything just, is open. Just like stay there. It's just like a giant warehouse. Okay. <laughs> but when they say stay in your cube, you basically just say just don't come out. Pretty much. Like just yeah. chill in there. I mean, uh, you got to let them know when you use the bathroom, stuff like that. Like, um, yeah, no, no yard. There's no, you can't go out into the rec room, no TV, um, no cooking. Like you're literally in your cube for 24 hours a day and that's it. Um, you can go to your, like your program if you have it or whatever, but that that's it. Um, so I did that for 30 days and they sent me down for another urine screen. That one came up dirty and that's when I went to the box. And uh, so that was an upstate. So box, different prison. She went from Bear Hill. To it's, box. it's a prison inside a prison. Okay. It's, it's so upstate is part of Bear Hill. No, okay. that's a whole nother facility. So okay. you got uh, Bear Hill, Franklin, and Upstate are the three that are in Malone yep. uh, for prisons. And then, so like pretty much like Franklin and Mal- or Bear Hill send like their box people to Upstate okay. if they have more than a month because they have their own like little box inside the facility and stuff like that inside the compound. Um, but so like you'll... So pretty much you get piled on a bus and you get shipped over to upstate and then you go into the big box, which is literally, um, it's like a hall of 50 cells and the cells, like big metal door. Like you think of like prison, Mm -hmm. like uh, actually, but this doesn't have bars. It's literally a metal door with a little window in it and a, uh, a slop slot. And, um, and then you have like in the back of the cell, you like, you have your, your showers in there, your sink, your toilet. It's literally what you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's all the way in the back is a cage and that's your rec area with another cage and you can look out and there's a camera right on you. And yeah. And it's very intricate because the system in there, it's like, so there's, you can fish in there. So fishing is like, so you take a line, you send the line over across to the other cells and then you tack the line and then you can send stuff over. Like it's, it's insane. It's, it's such an experience. And that they let you do that or is that? No, like, you're not supposed to. Okay. I mean, you're never supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if it was like, you'd notice that all these like lines are run over. But I mean, you're, you're, you're in prison inside prison. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? Give you more time? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, so both of those were picked up from drug for drug usage. Yep, so how, how did you get drugs at that point? Um, I'm assuming people smuggled them in. Somehow? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, so this would be visitors coming smuggling in prison. You can literally get anything. Yeah. Anything you want, you can get it. If you have the money, you can do it. Um, I mean, you got people from the city all over the state in there. 
but, um, but they're getting it from people coming to visit them. Well, uh, yeah. For the most part, I right? I mean, for the most part, yeah. we can say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, because I always look at, like, how could something get in? Like, you're not, like, going down to the store and grabbing stuff, you know, or mm-hmm. going out to the corner to deal. It's like, there's way, there's obviously ways to get stuff in. Oh, absolutely. Or whether it's, like I said, obviously, where there's right a guards. will, where there's a way. Yeah. So it's, because you got to think, there's a lot of time for people to think, a lot of time for them oh, to absolutely. plot and plan and everything else. Plenty of time. You got nothing but time. Yeah. There. So you start coming up with ideas and absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. It depends on your mindset. Where are you? Yeah. You know? So, uh, so getting those drugs was easy for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You just go a couple cubes down. Hey, you got anything? You know? Hey, I can find you something. Hold on. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's that easy. Yeah. There's own black market within. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's easy out here too, but like it's a whole nother situation in there. Yeah. Whole nother. Um, so in order to use the stuff is that, I mean, obviously there's times where you're not unsupervised. You can figure out ways to, to yep. use without being tracked. Oh, absolutely. You- I mean, see, okay. So pretty much, okay. You have 60 inmates in a, in a dorm, right? Mm-hmm. There's one CO between those 60 inmates. CO's up in front in the bubble mm-hmm. and he has his own little desk and he just kind of looks out and half the time they're, they're sleeping. So what are you're you kind, to do? Yeah. You're self self policing almost. Yes. So, uh, but you know, those are usually the good CEOs too that are, are, you know, let you do what you want and, you know, not bother you. So those CEOs were always the, the better CEOs because they don't not so much care, but like, you know, if something happens, obviously they're going to take care of it, but mm-hmm. you know, they're not after like the petty stuff. So most like, how do you find that the, you know, inmate CEO relationship is, is it pretty respectful? Is it pretty like, or is it just like some of them are just dicks and it's like very fine line. Um, as an inmate, um, you know, wearing green or if you're wearing blue, it's a very fine line. You have to, you know, stay in your lane. Like, okay, I'm wearing green. This mm-hmm. is your responsibility is okay. They're wearing blue because I mean, yeah, I, I became, I'm not going to say friends with a lot of CEOs, but I used to talk to a lot of CEOs and you know, they always say, you know, if it becomes comes down to you or me, mm-hmm. it's, it's gonna be me. You know what I mean? Um, it it and that's that's the mentality in there. Um, you know, green is with green, blue is with blue. You know, you stay in your lane, you do what you got to do, and that's that's it. Um, what what about uh, other inmates? Was it like you're with sixty guys? Like, yep. How's how's the relationship with the sixty? I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's like any other thing. You got some bad apples. You got some good great guys. Absolutely. Um, Some people just don't want to be bothered. Well, the thing with prison, um, you know, if someone was doing nefarious things, typically you can sit back and just wait for them to be gone. Um, You know, if there's someone you didn't like or, you know, you didn't have to take things into your own hands because they were going to mess themselves up anyways. So, you know, I, I, I don't know where I was going with that now. A relationship with other mates. Yeah, so like, I, I, I'm not gonna say I made friends in there. Um, I had associates. No one was really your friend. I mean, you go in by yourself, and you come out by yourself. That that's the main bottom line. Um, I mean, I made there's people I like add on Facebook um, that I kind of talk to, but not very much. Um, but you kind of like with me, like. I'm, I'm the kind of person where, you know, when I first land in a spot, I'll sit and observe everything for a good two weeks. Like, I, I'm not so much judging, but, like, picking people out to know, okay, what are they doing? Okay, they're doing this. 
and then going from there and just, you know, I selected who I wanted to associate with. But most of the time people would come up to me because they would see how I move, like how I maneuver in the, in the, the dorm. And I was always a quiet person. I'd be in my cube reading my book and everyone's like, you know, you don't do time. You know, time, time does you. And like that was like at the time that was like a that was a saying, you know, because like a lot of people get in that mindset where, you know, you're never going to leave, you know, and in prison, I mean, you could you could have, you know, life and you're really never going to leave. So you have to be able to adjust yourself in a way to that time and that space and that environment. Because it's, it's completely, it's a whole nother civilization in there compared to out here. I mean, it literally is a civilization. It's like a little town, you know, because mm-hmm. you got 3,000 inmates in one prison. So when you get transferred, what's the, what causes you to get transferred from one to the other? Um, usually, um, if you get into a fight or something like that, um, they usually will put you in the box. And depending on the severity of it, they might ship you out. Um, it depends on what it is. Like... Obviously, I couldn't go back to Bear Hill from the box uh, from upstate, so they ended up sending me uh, out west, over into Livingston, and that that's a trek. It took me a good week to get over there. So, how's the process of going from one to the other? Um, it's just like a, a like a they kind of put you in a bus kind of thing. You know, is it? It's very tedious. Um, with anything dealing with the state and. Um, the legal system. It's kind of like a hurry up and wait kind of thing. Um, so even with like DMV and stuff like that, you know, they tell you, you get all this stuff and then it takes them two weeks to do something. Um, so like, okay, downstate. So like I said, downstate is like grand central station. So like they got, you know, eight buses coming in a day, eight buses going out a day. So the COs need to be able to, unshackle you because literally you get leg shackles you get handcuffs and then there's a black box that goes in between the handcuffs so you literally are like this Mm -hmm. in your hand you cannot move so and then you have a shackle going to your waist so you're like and you have to eat on the bus (laughs) so you have to literally eat like this like it's 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 a it's an experience so when they ship you though you just get on a bus with a one or a couple other people so going back yeah it's a hurry up and wait part so you'll you'll get called down um to draft and they'll put all your stuff on in this room and then so then you go back to your dorm you sleep that night they wake you up at depending on where you're at uh 5 30 in the morning 4 30 in the morning you'll go down to draft um they'll shackle you up put you in a bullpen and okay now you sit there for an hour and wait for the bus to come and then they come pick you up and then you start your little journey. Um, so going from upstate to Livingston um, after my box time. Um, so I went from upstate to downstate, downstate to Ulster, which is Ulster County down towards the city. Um, and there's a medium there, so you'll stay there for a day, depending. Um, like if you get there on a Tuesday, there's no movement on Wednesday. So you would stay there Tuesday, Wednesday, movement Thursday. 
So then they'd wake you up at, you know, 530 in the morning again. You'd go and get processed, strip searched, all that good stuff. And then you'd get put into another bullpen. Then you'd get shackled once again, get back on the bus and go to your next spot. Um, from there, I went to Auburn. Real terrible place. You got birds, roaches, rats. In the prison? Oh, oh, yeah, in the prison. Broken windows. Just, you know, you can literally hear the birds outside. Um yeah, terrible place, terrible place. Um, so from there, and that's not where you want to get stuck. If you get stuck there for a weekend, you're in for a long weekend because you have literally nothing. You have none of your stuff. You might, you know, and the hard part is when you're in transit, like, you know, you if you smoke, you ain't smoking unless you, you know, unless you boof some things and, you know, bring it with you in transit and then, you know, unpackage and do some dealings while you're there, you know, it's all in who, you know, really there. And that's why, you know, gangs are so prominent Mm -hmm. because, oh yeah, you know, big homie. And then you got, you know, all their little cronies and then it's, you know, you're in a whole nother situation. So, and it makes it easier for them because, you know, they're throwing their signs, you know, throwing out their, uh, area codes and all that and or yeah there are codes and it you know it can be intimidating you know so like when you went like did you have any connections to any of these places like did you show up at one of these places and recognize someone that you were with before um not really you know i've met a p- couple people i've seen like in transit but like at the same spot like going to the same spot no um so Prison was what, five, five years, you said? Yeah, I got five five years total. So each place you were there for, where was their longest stay? Was that out in Livingston? That was in Collins. Um, that was two years I stayed there. And that was, where's Collins? Collins is out by Buffalo. So that's the farthest one away that you were at? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, was that the, the first one you were at? Or this is all, that's all? So if you go, just pu- push it up and tighten right here this little piece this thing up here i think it's is it holding yeah yeah it's holding it's gone okay all right (laughs) if not i'll adjust it the uh so um was that was that after upstate or no collins uh yes so pretty much okay so i went from so i got to auburn and then i went into then I got to Wendy. Wendy is like the hub of Collins, Livingston, all them places like out by Buffalo. Okay. So each each place has a hub. Like there's like five different hubs. So from Wendy, I went to Livingston. And Livingston was a terrible place. So from going, so it used to be a KSAT facility, which was um, for substance abuse and stuff like that. And so they like... Bear Hill is a cooking facility. Is so, it cooking? Yes. Yeah, so they have microwaves, uh, stoves, um, and that kind of stuff. So Livingston is not a cooking facility. They literally have, you have an ice chest and a hot pot. That's all you have in, in a hot water tap. Um, that's it. So I was like, I'm not going to stay here. So I ended up pulling a mental health stunt. You know, just told them, hey, I got anxiety, depression, blah, 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 blah. So I went and talked to, so that's when they sent me to Attica. I took a van to Attica to talk to some social worker about my anxiety and depression. She's like, oh, okay, so you'll be out in a couple of weeks. 
we'll send you somewhere else. We'll send you to a mental health spot. Sure. So that's when, so a couple of weeks later, I got packed up from Livingston and I ended up going to Collins, which was a better spot in, in, in some sense. Um, it was more for pedophiles and the like, cause they have, um, the, this class that they can take and stuff like that. So I went to Collins and it was a cooking facility. Um, the people were a little bit more different, you know, with mental health issues and the like, and it was interesting. Um, so I'm still using in Collins once I get there and I end up getting into the honor dorm, which is like, you know, they have fridges, freezers, pretty much all the stuff that you take for granted on the outside. Like a college dorm kind of deal. Yeah. In a way. Um, so I move up there and you know, I get to a point in my addiction where I have literally nothing and I'm living lovely in prison. You know, I'm getting packages. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting full packages. I'm getting full commissary. You know, I, I make it, I'm, I'm living lovely, but I'm blowing it all on drugs. So I open my locker and like, I mean, you have, you know, you can get clothes sent in, you can get food sent in stuff like that. And I literally have my state clothes and you know, my other clothes and no food, nothing. I'm going to the mess hall eating slop. Um, and I just came to a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that, that was my breaking point in prison of all places. Stopped getting drugs so you could have better, like access so I could to live other better. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I could live better. Okay. Um, you know, cause I wanted to eat good. I wanted to, you know, live lovely in prison while I could, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I just stopped. Cold Turkey. Yeah. I've been clean ever since. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yep. So it just took like a mental shift for you. Just that, be that's like, it. Screw this. I'm the mindset, man. The wow. mindset is, is everything with addiction. And I, I, you know, even at the clinic, like, I, I mean, I work at Conifer Park as a peer advocate. So like I try and convey that and I use my own experiences to, you know, in a way bestow upon other people like that. It's not the end. It's not where you're stuck and, you know, you're sitting treading water trying you living in that life like it's a hard life did you um you said you kind of got into drugs because of like more mental stuff of like you know trying to like ease have you always have you had mental health issues have you always fought mental health issues do you think a lot of it was maybe just not really mental health but more perception of things um like what you chose to focus on or just kind of like your mindset It's hard to say because when, when, based on when you started using back when you were a teenager, mm-hmm. like that's a tough time for kids. Yep. Like just because you're you're growing up, you're going through hormones, you're you know you're getting to that the point where you're going from like a little kid into like a young adult, like a real young adult. And I think a lot of you start dealing with more people, you start dealing with more friends, yep. you start dealing with more like people going their own directions. And and to me, like I have young kids now and like they're just free spirits and they just play because they're not they're not jaded by like the rest of like things that happen as you get older and and, you know the way you perceive yourself or way people perceive yourself um like i didn't know if that was something where you know was it you know wanting to fit in was it maybe not don't feeling like you didn't fit in is for therefore this was like an escape for you was this well in school like i was always kind of like the outcast in a way um 
not so much a, a rebel, but like I wanted to do me. You know what I mean? You I want yourself a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I was never one to just go out and make friends and, you know, and that was kind of like drugs were my way of escaping, you know, that societal grip in a way. And when you got into when you were in prison, still using at that point, was it just the addiction? Oh, yeah. So yeah. I wasn't like, hey, I'm using it for the same reasons as when I started using it. I'm just using it because it's tough to kick. Yeah, in, in a way. Um, you know, I was still trying to escape. I mean, it was prison. I mean, who the hell wants to stay there? <laughs> you but know? I mean, like when you from a but from a drug standpoint, like you were you trying to quit drugs? Right. You, you like, know, it, obviously it, you knew why you got in there for the first thing. Yeah. I mean, with drugs, it's it's you know, it starts as, as a want, mm-hmm. you know, OK, I'm go do this. You know, you're hanging out with friends, whatever. You're out partying for the weekend. And you get introduced to something and, you know, with opiates, you know, it only takes, I, I would say three days, you know, um, to get hooked to them. Oh yeah. Um, like, you know, you go to a doctor and you have surgery or something, right. And you, you just start taking meds and you know that after that third day, it's not so much a want, it's a, it's a need because your body is getting used to that. It likes that feeling. It, it wants to keep going with that feeling. And that's where you know, you get the sickness and that it's, it's hard to con- like figure out which is worse, you know, the need or the want. Um, because once you're in that lifestyle, that want, yeah, that becomes a need, but it's still a want at the same time. So like you go, you know, a year, two years with that want, then it's a need once you don't have it and you're not getting prescribed from your doctor because they're cutting you off that's a, a need. So, and then that's when you start going to the streets. That's when you, you know, you seek it out from friends and, oh, you know, who's had surgery? You know, you start looking at those little things. And that's the hard part with it because it's everywhere, especially with the prescription meds. Yeah. Well, I know like locally that's been a problem recently of just trying to like figure out the whole opioid, like, you know, with just, there's a lot of it going on. I mean, obviously I'm not like in the drugs and stuff, but it's the idea that, you know, you know, people that are in the drugs and mm-hmm. like, obviously there's a decision that they made to get into it. And then there's a you know hard decision. Um, it's not even a decision. They don't want it. So like you said, sometimes it's a need. It's like, I, they want to kick it. They want to get over it. And they just like, you know, whatever it is, they just can't that addiction or that, you know, yearning for whatever it is takes over. Yeah. You know, once, you know, okay. So say, you know, you, you get to that, you know, you're, you're a year in and now all of a sudden you don't have anything, you know, you start to get sick. You know, it's almost like a flu, like the relapse. No, it's like, so you, you don't have anything, right. Mm -hmm. And you're so used to taking something and now all of a sudden you have nothing. And now you get, you, you get physically sick. You know, you start to have a runny nose, you'll have a headache. You don't want to do anything. You become really lethargic, you know, restless leg syndrome. You can't sleep. And that all plays into the sick. It's like having the flu in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only way that that's going to go away is if you use then it's gone magically just disappears. So you keep up that cycle because you don't want to be sick. Yeah. Who wants, tough to who wants to be sick? You know? So, but it's, it's, it's that sickness is kind of like a make or break in a way, because I mean, you can, you can feel it, you know, you go those few days without anything and then, Oh, I'm all better. So when, when you stopped using, what was that transition like? Did you get sick? Um, a little bit. Like, 
so like in prison, it's it's a lot different when you know. So like a milligram goes a long way of Suboxone. So like you can do a milligram and be set, and that's only ten bucks. You know, instead of like out here, you can get an eight for you know. I don't know. I think nowadays it's like forty dollars, and you know you're gonna be a lot sicker from that than you are one milligram. So I was sick like about a week, but it wasn't anything like that I couldn't handle. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't do this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in that, that mindset, you know, where do you want to be? Where, like, you know, I tell a lot of clients, I'm like, you know, you can, you can be a bum if you want to. It's it's your decision. You know, you can do what you want to do. And if you want to be successful, that's going to take some work. You know, how much work do you want to put in? And that's what it really what it comes down to. It's the same thing with recovery. Um, You know, someone can be like, you know, at the clinic. Okay, so recovery wise, you know, okay, let's start with addiction wise first. 16 hours you can put into your addiction, right? A day. So you got to find that money, you know, depending on where you are in your addiction. Uh, You find the money, you find the person um, that can give you your fix, and then you get your fix and you take it. That could be an eight hour thing. You know, you don't know. You don't know when you wake up like, okay, where am I getting money? Like, and it's, it's a lot of work, but okay. So 16 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you put into your addiction, depending on how long you've been addicted, you know, 10, 15 years. Okay. So that's your mindset right there. You know, you're constantly in this cycle for 15 years. Okay. I need to find this, get it, put it in my body. I'm good. And then continue it every day. So now you get into recovery. You come to the clinic, you know, um, and you're doing, you know, an individual, you know, you might have for an hour. Um, But put in like two, three groups. So there's four hours. And then, you know, maybe meet with me for an hour a week. So that's five hours. Five hours, seven days a week. Five hours a week you're working on your recovery compared to that 16 hours of your addiction a day. Mm Mm-hmm. It's got to be more work than that. Like, and that's the thing, like working on yourself, it, it comes in so many ways and it's just taking the time to do that. So when you got up, you stopped using, you said that was a hundred percent just mental like breakthrough. Just like I'm done. Yeah. Literally. Like it was like something just switched in my head and said, that's it. I was going to say, was it a, a culmination of stuff building up? Was it literally just all of a sudden right frame of mind at that right time, it just hit and you're just like, almost like Eureka. It's like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like that was my Eureka moment. Yeah. But it was like, it was, you could pinpoint it to that like, yeah, split abs- second. Decision. Absolutely. Um, and you've never felt anything remotely close to that previous before that. No, no. Oh no. So, okay. So then you get out from, cause I want to get, I want to get into where you're at now, but absolutely. the whole story. So you get out of <laughs> prison. Story. <laughs> what, what, uh, when did you get out of prison? Um, so that would be, so I went from 17, 17 is when I got arrested, December 17. I got sentenced in April 18 and I went up that month of April. Um, and then four and a half years I did. What was the question? No, wait, wait, you 17 didn't sound right. If you went, you went in the prison? I had, okay, so my 13 is when I caught the charge. 14 is when I got sentenced. Okay, 14. Yep, so then 
18, 17, I got out. I did four and a half years. So you got out December 17th. Yeah, it was December. Oh, I thought you it got was, in. Okay, out. Yes, that yes, makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so December, I, December 17, I got out. I got on work release. And I came up here. It was like January. It was after Christmas. Okay. So it was about 18 that I actually was into the community, but I was still in prison because I was doing work release. This is when you would go work and you had to check back into prison. Yep. So I would take, so the first week that I came up, so you get four days four. So you're like four and three. So you have four days, which technically it's three up here because you take the train that takes a half day. Um, you get in about what three, I think it is. And then, then you, okay, then you go try and find a job, put in applications, yada, yada, yada. So by that Thursday, you have to go back down and be there Thursday night. So that's another half day that you're traveling. And you're traveling to where? Here, Plattsburgh, but, to but, Hudson. To Hudson, okay. Hudson, Hudson, Plattsburgh, Hudson, Hudson, okay. Plattsburgh. Yep, so. So you're taking this train right through here. Yep, right yep. here. Yep. Rensselaer, the yep. whole bit, yep. Yeah, whole bit. So you have literally three days to... I mean, they give you about three weeks out of those three days to find a job. So I'm searching around and pretty much I, I went to Guma's and that was kind of like. So I back you up quick. Sure. What was it? Why did you come up here and not just find something locally right outside? Um, come back home to visit friends to visit. Could you visit people? Your, your family? I, I wanted to be home, you know? Yeah. Just like, missed it. I mean, more familiar to, to an extent. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. I did, like, I just didn't yeah. know because of the travel. Like, could you have just gone like two miles down the road from the prison? Work? I, I could have. Um, but I kind of, I wanted to be established up here too, mm -hmm. because I'm once, so once you find a job down up here or wherever you are, then you go, you can go seven to no to where you don't have to go to the jail anymore. So I wanted that, you know what I mean? Like, Were they just check on you time to time? Not, not like you'd have to go to parole. Okay. So pretty much like once a week you'd go to parole, kind of check Someone in. Someone locally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you wouldn't have to go back down there. So pretty much like, okay, so they give you th four days to find a job out of three weeks. So you got about 12 days to find a job. So the last place I went was Guma's and I knew I would, I didn't know I was getting to get the job, but like I, I had a lot of experience with cooking. Like I'd been cooking for like 13 yeah, years. She worked at the homestead for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did homestead pizza, did the homestead, yep. went to pizza hut, um, and then prison and then Guma's. So I got the job at Guma's and that's when I could go five and two. So you, you're out for five days, staying at home. And then like, so I would come. I would leave Monday, Monday from Plattsburgh to get down to Hudson that night, check in. Then I would do like, um, like substance abuse treatment down there at Twin Counties. And then I'd come back Wednesday and I have to work Wednesday night. So I did that for about five months, four or five months. And then I went seven and zero oh to where I didn't have to go down there anymore until I got actually released. And then, then I didn't have to go there anymore at all. So, um, I ended up having to go down there and get my ID for when I got released, which was kind of pointless since I already had my license, but, um, you know, just protocol what they need to do. 
so that that was that was work release and that was its own experience i mean having i wasn't able to drive um even though i had my license and i'd have to take the train and that that's fun i, I didn't mind the train mm-hmm. you know it's a nice it's a nice ride it's a good oh yeah to the hudson what, six hours i think yeah and falls the hudson river yeah, oh it's yeah pretty yeah it's nice um so you came up here. How how was slowly assimilating back and like working, seeing people? You know, I, I'm sure at Goomas you probably saw people you knew too. Um, to to an extent. I mean, so I started growing my beard when I was in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one really knew what I looked like, <laughs> you know, when I came back. Um, I the only people I really had were my parents, which I was okay with that. Yeah, you know, I, all my old friends were the people I used with. Like they weren't even really friends. Yeah. So why do I? Why would I even associate? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I was myself. You know, I was pretty much on my own, but with my parents. And I, you know, from there, you know, I was working at Gumas, and I got on parole, and then it just. You know, I just started living, you know, I saved money. I got an apartment through um, Jerry, who owned Gumas, and I, I stayed there for about a year and a half, two years. And, you know, I worked at Gumas and then I got the job at Conifer after I got a parole. So while you were at Gumas, you were, you got to stay up here for the couple of nights. You had an apartment for like a couple part of the week and then part of the week. You were yeah, I lived down. right down the road from Gumas. It was nice. So, but you could stay there for the nights you were up and then yep. go back down, check in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean, that was all after work release. Like I had gotten on parole. I was living at my parents' house for a couple months and then I was like, I'm out of here, you mm-hmm. know? Um, cause after living, you know, yeah, you're not on your own in a dorm, but like you're kind of on your own, you yeah. know? Um, so like, I didn't want to live at home. Like what the hell was I going to do? <laughs> yeah. As I say, it's like any kid at a certain age. You're just like, yeah, I'm, I'll was, visit mom and dad. But it's tough to live with them. Let's see. I was like, I was 30 then. So like, I don't know. Yeah. No. Yeah. You want to be 30 old living at home. I mean, I mean, yeah, I got, I just got out of prison and, and you know, telling a girl that like, oh yeah, I just got out of prison. I live with my parents, you know, yeah. it's like, whoa, it's, it's good opening act. Yeah. 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 yeah you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, um, so slow. It was, it was. Like when you, when you came up for the first time, like what was like the thought process to be back home? Cause you've been gone for what? Five years at that point? Uh, four and a half. Yeah. Um, or yeah. Yeah. It was about four at that point. Um, but so I, I get into my, my parents' house and I just feel so tall. Like everything, like the counters, like it seems like it's really short. Like, did it, you grow a little bit at that time? I, no. Okay. No, I didn't know. Maybe no. It, I mean, you figure like in prison, like you don't really, there's nothing, you know, yeah. there's nothing really standpoint wise, like point of view. So like actually like sitting like in the house, like you're not used to doors and like walls and stuff like that. It's, it's so surreal. Like you, you get out and you're just like, everything just looks so small. So it's almost like relearning how to live again. It, certain- it, oh, oh yeah. 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 Was it difficult? You think? depends depends on where you want to be i mean for me like i like i still had my car you know my life was it was there it was just a matter of me like pause it was on pause yeah in a way in a way um but you know i i you know coming out like 
you know, you, during that time, and then like you know, you were married, having had kids. I'm, yeah, it was like stepping into a time machine. Yeah, like you know, I looked on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that person's married. It's like, what the hell happened yeah. here? Yeah, I know. Like, so that was really surreal. Um, you know, just seeing where everybody was at, and then we had the reunion. I think. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You came to that. I was yeah. pumped. Yeah, that was. Was that right after you got out? The summer after? I th- yeah, because yep. in 2018. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah, you showed up. It was great. Yeah, we had a good showing actually. We probably had 15 to 20 people. Yeah. Well, for a small class, that's good. <laughs> the biggest class in Shazy. Yeah, I was to say about a third of our class showed up, which was cool. Um, yeah, that was cool. It was at uh, at uh, Vesco's. No, we had a great time. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good to see everybody. And uh, yeah, so that was 18. How was that for you? Um, it was different. Yeah. You know. I mean, I always, I've always felt like the outcast, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not the one to go up to people and start a conversation, and, you know, I'm more of, like, you know, hang out in the background, wait for someone to come up to me, like, you know, because I'll talk to anybody that talks yeah. to me, you know? But I'm not going to go out of my way to talk to somebody. Like, that's just the way I am, yeah. and it, I don't know, it works. You, you were mingling around, though, that day? Yeah, a little bit. I was going to say, yeah, because yeah, you were there for a little bit, it was, but it was cool just to see, like... Same thing. You just don't see people anymore. It's like, well, you do. You just don't see your people you went to high school with just because of life, but... Yep. Um, so you ended up going from, so you got out working Gumas, then you went to work at Conifer Park. Um, so for people that don't know, can you just kind of give them a rundown of what Conifer Park does, where it is, what you guys do? So Conifer Park's located at 80 Sharon Avenue in Plattsburgh. Um, it is a substance abuse clinic. Um, we dabble a little bit in mental health. We have a psychiatric there. Um, but pretty much it's, it's for people to, you know, rebuild their lives in a way. Um, you know, I, I work as a peer there. I don't tell people what to do. I use my own life as, you know, a jump starter for people. Because people look at me and see, in a way, inspiration. Um, like, wow, I don't need to feel the way I do. I can feel a different way and live a different life that I'm living. And it's hard to maneuver, you know, because there's a lot of... A lot of different personalities, right? It's just like prison. Um, a lot of different personalities that you have to deal with. And you have to know how to, you know, talk to those people and relate to those people. And that's that's what I do. You know, I'm the relator. I, I can tell my story to others, you know, and and hopefully they learn from it, you know, so they don't have to witness or be a part of that experience. Did you um at what point did at what point did you decide that you wanted to go into like um, substance abuse counseling. I don't even know. Like, was it in prison where you're like, man, I screwed up. Nope. I want to make sure. So it wasn't, this was, <laughs> I'm wondering like w- what made you go in or was it just job opening? You're like, well, maybe I could relate to those people and I'm in. On- honestly, Galen, it was like, okay, so I'm working at Guma's. I'm still on parole. And so I, I went to Conifer as a client mm-hmm. and after, well, as I was on parole, cause it was part of the stipulations, I, w- I was already two years clean and they want me to go to Conifer. Like, it's like, come on. <laughs> um, but of course, because of parole and the policy and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was a client there. I stayed. I was uh, I, I did. I was there for a year and my counselor called me and said, hey, Chad, there's a job opening coming up for a peer. It's a whole new position. Yada, yada, yada. You build to get out of the office, go into the community. And, you know, it's all about relating and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, OK. She's like, oh, I'll have the director call you and, and she'll talk to you more about it. So she calls me and she says, oh, okay, um, do you want to come in for like an informal video interview and, you know, talk about the position and yada, yada, yada. Okay. 
Um, and the director knew me and, you know, so we're sitting there talking and she's telling me about the position. She's like, are you interested? And I was like, sure, why not? So that's, it literally fell in my lap. Literally. Yeah. And, and there was no, I mean, it was something you wanted to do, obviously. Mm, well, yeah. I mean, to an extent. I mean, I, I really, I was looking at it to get out of the kitchen because mm-hmm. I was tired of the kitchen. You know, those 90 degree days where it's 110 in the hours kitchen. And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like weekends off, yeah. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Oh, take, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired of those 11 to 8s, you know? Like, yeah. So, so when, uh, have you, so you've been there, what, probably two years now? Yep. Two years. Um, July 23rd was my anniversary there. So, um, how was it being on, I guess, on the other side at that point? Um, it's different. Yeah. It's different. Um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be like the role model, mm-hmm. you know? So not that I have to like watch what I say to people. It's, I'm supposed to be the guy that lifts people up, you know, good spirits, you know, um, doesn't tell you what to do, but you know, tries to guide you in the right direction. You know, if you need, say you needed help with social services, you know, you need an application done for food stamps, Medicaid, whatever the case may be. Um, I do that. You know, I help them with the application because a lot of people, they don't know how to, you know, read or write. There's still people out there that don't know how to do it or don't know how to use technology. Um, So I'm, I'm the guider in that. Like uh, I do insurance. I, I'm a CAC on the New York state marketplace. So I help people get insurance. Um, I do housing, uh, applications, stuff like that. Um, I help coordinate care. Um, let's see, what else do I do? I wear many hats. So how many, how many clients do you work with? Um, a single time. So we have about, I want to say about 300 clients there and, I mean, literally, those are all my clients. Okay, so you work with all of them. Anybody and everybody. Okay. You know, if someone needs help, I'm there, you know. So what's, uh, what's like a normal day for you out there? Oh, like, goodness. Like, <laughs> is it all over? Like, do you have certain office time? Do you have, like, certain... Like, I know how I run, like, real estate. I kind of have, like, a breakdown. It's... Mm-hmm. Every day is completely different. I kind of have... I pick and choose. Like, I typically do podcasts Tuesday through Thursday just because I don't want to do it on Monday and Fridays. Like, I will if I have to, but, like... So I kind of try to piece stuff in because of my family and the kids and everything else. I want to, you know, I want to set a little bit of parameters to protect my time. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I look at like someone like you who's, you know, is it very similar? You set your own schedule? I'm very free spirited. Um, Yes, I do set my own schedule. Um, I do have a schedule, um, but it's very spontaneous. Okay. Um, So if you know, something is happening at the clinic and they need me there and I'm meeting with somebody I get back to the clinic. You know what I mean? Um, depending on the situation, um, typically I don't deal with a lot of like crisis kind of things being as I'm a peer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have, I mean, there's certain situations. Um, it's, it's very, it's very real. It's very, it's the word I'm looking for. Like responsive? Yes. Like if you were, so th- say you're working with the amount of people that are there, like um, I'm sure some people take precedence over others pending on the situation. To an extent. I mean, I treat everybody the same. But if somebody called you with like maybe a little bit more 
like crisis mode, a little bit higher, a little more like I need someone right now. Right. Yeah. Some people are probably very passive, like check in with you, but don't. Yeah. Different um, levels of need, I guess. Typically, I mean, I have a work cell phone, so mm-hmm. like they can contact me through text instead of having to call the clinic and be like, "Hey, I need to set up an appointment." Um, they can just text me and say, "Hey, I need to talk," or something like that. You know, I need I need to set up an appointment, um, and that's pretty much it. And then it goes from there, depending on the situation. You know, if someone is using and you know they want to go to inpatient. Like right now, mm-hmm. like I'm going to take that, you know, I'm going to try and do what I can to get them into inpatient, you know? So it all depends on where someone's at in their addiction, really. What, uh, what's the different age brackets you work with? Like what's roughly like you're talking teenagers to elderly? Mainly. Yeah. 18 to elderly. We don't really have a lot of no adolescents or anything. Yeah. Like underage. Um, so and elderly people all the way up like seventies, eighties still using. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of those. I mean, if mainly sixties, I mean, we've had some seventies, but like not, but that's starting to get rare. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't happen very often. Um, and what's the severity of people coming in? Are there people that come in that like are just all rangers? So there's people that are like fresh off of like, I gotta get, I gotta stop Mm -hmm. using. And there's people that have been probably, I'm assuming maybe use it more as like a more as a nice accountability, but almost more as community now where they don't really need like they're, they're sober, but they like the, the support. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that have been there for years, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we are like an OTP clinic. So we dispense uh, methadone and suboxone, um, at the clinic. Um, so we don't, I mean, we do prescriptions, but not so much. Um, but it's more to keep eyes on people. Um, you know, so if someone's really struggling and they're new to the clinic, you know, we can have eyes on them to know, okay, this is what's happening. You know, this is, you know, what they're doing. Um, it's more for their safety. Um, so we have like, you know, daily dosing and stuff like that, where people come in every day in the morning and dose. And then, you know, um, and most people you work with one one v one or groups or um I do one group um I co-facilitate with another counselor and mainly individuals yeah okay so like I'm like out in the community I go to a lot of parks um I work with a lot of different agencies BHSN um probation you know stuff like that courts um it's it's I'm all over the place um have you ever de- have you ever helped in the mental health part of it or is it mostly just the drug part i mean it kind of one and the same i think but in in a way i mean that's like i I just did a a dual recovery group yesterday and like i I don't know like the group aspect i'm not a group kind of person Mm -hmm. you know so like i get a lot of anxiety um in dealing with that but you know i push through it and just do what I got to do. You mean like moderating a group of people? Yes. Okay, so, so it's like, more like the public speaking, sitting in front of a crowd. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I mean, mainly everything is over Zoom right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's different. True, yeah. It's yeah, different. It's um, different. So if you're doing the group, you just sit like in rows or in a circle or do something similar where you just like, you have a group of what, 10, 8, 10 people maybe? Yeah, something like that. Um, so how, I guess, do people... Cause I would think like, if you go to a gym, you typically want the trainer to look like they work out, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. yeah. So like if you're saying, 
Um, obviously, there's no look of a certain person that did drugs, but the fact that you can go in and say like, you know, I or like a golf coach, like, like, do you play golf? Like, I don't play golf, but I'll teach you how to play golf. Like you, like you want someone that knows how to play golf. So if they're like, right. hey, we know you know how to do or did do drugs. You know how you got over drugs, and now you're kind of, you know, on the complete other side because mm-hmm. you've went one step from not just not using drugs, but trying to help other people not use drugs. How that whole transition? Do you find that that resonates a lot with the clients? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like they're like, I, this is one of us kind of deal. A, a lot of clients, like once I tell my story, like at least a little bit of my story, that I mean, they kind of can't even believe that I use drugs. Yeah, which I'm just dumbfounded by at the same time. <laughs> you got to think though, if you, I mean, you say you're almost 34. Yep. You know what's the crazy thing is, is okay. Let's go back to you know 13. You started mm-hmm. using, so mm-hmm. you're talking about 20 years this whole process yep so if you go i mean i always put in perspective of like you could be right now early 30s never touch drugs again and you have your whole i mean you have a significant portion of your life left yeah so it's kind of one where i look at people that like they always say it's never too late to start something or end something like for you it's like yeah maybe 20 years was a roller coaster ride but now it's like okay like it's like living a whole nother life yeah like you've got like a second essentially yeah. yeah Um, were you ever in jeopardy of like, um, ODing or anything? I I think I've been there one time. Um, I was using an oxycodone and I don't know if it was bad or what was happening, but it did not feel very good. Yeah. Um, just really nauseous, like couldn't really breathe in a way. Crampy. Yeah. It was, it was weird. Was that in prison? No, that was out. Okay. Yeah. Um, we never about, called the ambulance or anything like that, but like, you just like somehow body got over it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything with like psychedelics. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you, you name it. I've used it. It yeah. was probably, I mean, it's easier for me to name the drugs I haven't done than the drugs that I've done. Um, and were you just one that like, you just like to try everything and oh, experiment yeah. with everything? I, I literally treated myself like a human Guinea pig. And d- didn't care. Did no? I was having a great time. Was so, so, but was it? Um, it just like I said, it, the the thrill or the the high of it was just, you know, more exhilarating than yeah. anything else. Meeting just new like, people, it, it, the life, man. It's yeah. it's you're literally in a life of chaos. You it, don't know what you're gonna do. You don't know where you're gonna be. Like, and you like that, just like that at the time. That, at the time, yeah, yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was going everywhere. I was selling. I was, I was going everywhere like i was there was not a time that i was not in my car going somewhere to so, so this wasn't just local you would travel for oh yeah okay. i mean well, i mean may, like you know around like moores you know plattsburgh yeah so you're you still know. within like a local yeah like clinton county okay you know i stayed in the county you didn't, like least. it wasn't like you were going off the syracuse steel drugs no no, no okay no. i mean i've 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 taken a couple trips down to albany to pick up but you know nothing crazy um in both times you got picked up, were those the only two times you ever got picked up with drugs? Yep. There was a time when I was, what was it, 16? Or did you avoid, I'm assuming, some close calls? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of close calls. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't get caught for that, you know, like, but that comes with the life. So there's always that, like, you know, you're always on the hunt. Like, I, I mean, again, my drug knowledge is very limited. So, like, I'm taking, like... <laughs> Breaking Bad or Ozark is like my two drug oh, shows. Okay, yeah. Like, but you always see, like, you look at those and like you get anxiety for the character, even though you know it's all fictional. Mm-hmm. You get anxiety of like, holy shit, they're gonna get caught. Yeah. And like, it's odd. It's odd because obviously they're breaking the rules, but you're like, 
I don't want him to get caught. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's, it's kind of a weird, de- de- and both of those were done. Did you see both those ser- series? Yep. I've yeah. seen, yeah, I've seen Breaking Bad. Yeah. Have you seen Ozark? I don't. You would like I Ozark. I think I have seen you that. You would like Ozark. I just don't really remember. I watch so much stuff. Actually, Ozark, I don't even know if it's really drugs. It's mo- money. There's some drugs yeah, in it. Yeah, it's more like embezzlement, yeah. I think. But you start watching shows like that, and it's like, yeah, like, wow. And also the reason is, I mean, those people are doing it for, um, I would say going about doing something morally good in a bad, like obviously yeah. a legal way, but they're yeah. not doing it because they're in theory bad people they're kind of forced into it so right. it's right um but like when I, I look at stuff like that you look at the how close calls those they're having obviously they fictionalize it but i'm sure there's plenty of it because it's like oh absolutely you don't know you don't know like i said if there's an undercover person coming up and asking for drugs and it's mm-hmm. i mean is there a way for you to tell that i mean so typically i mean you ask someone and they're a cop they have to tell you if they're a cop you know um, with confidential informants, um, like if you're, if they're wearing a wire, like, but that could be like them, them sending me to go get it, even though I'm not a cop, I'm, yeah. being, I'm basically being yeah, their, that, that's a CI. their mole or whatever. Yeah. That's the CI. That, I mean, they literally give people buy money and say, Hey, uh, go up to that person, make a buy, bring it back to us. It's like the ones where they send like underage kids in the stores and they don't get ID'd yep. and they crack down the store. Mm-hmm. Yep. So same, same, same aspect. Um, so it's very tough for you to, to kind of weed out of that. Well, yeah, because I mean, these is like the, the second time, actually both times there were people that I was friends with, you know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, for someone to set you up like that, you wouldn't even, and then they come get you a year later. So that way you forget who it was. Oh, they'll let you wait that long. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, sealed indictments. Oh yeah, they wait a year for those usually. Oh, so that so way when you got actually picked up. This was they caught you months. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Like wow. my, I mean, with my first one, they picked me up right at the school, and that was for ecstasy. And I, I remember that. Yep, and I, I know exactly who I sold ecstasy to. I only did it once. Yeah, and that was only because I didn't want them because they weren't that good. The uh, oh, well, they the, were good, the drug themselves for you. Yeah, they were, actually sent me in a bad role, but um, so that that one. When do you, when you got picked up from that to when you get, got picked up? What? Sorry, when you sold to when you got picked up was that about a year? So they picked you up senior year. Was that something yep. you would have dealt probably sophomore junior year? Yep, sophomore. Wow. Or junior, junior. Yep. Wow. So they had you the peg for that yeah. long. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, they wait that long on purpose so that way you forget who who it was. So that way you don't do anything to that person or yep. whoever. Um. Now when when they pick you, like why did they pick the school? They just knew you would be there. Oh yeah, yeah. So they just kind of like picked a random like. Well, at that time, I was everywhere. I was going everywhere and anywhere. But so, I mean, why would they pick you up there, not at your house, not at some place they knew you were going to be? That's a good question. It was weird. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird to do it like in a parking lot at, at a mm-hmm. public school. Because yeah. I remember that happening. Because it was early on in senior year, and mm-hmm. you're just like, "What? What's going on?" And like, yeah, Chad got busted. And like, what? And like, because of course we're all like. I mean, yeah, everyone was looking out the windows, like I'm sitting well, going in. I mean, Chasey's small, but like, why is there, they're literally wrestling something in the park, which is yeah. in the morning at like, what the heck just happened? No, it was, that, it was uh, after school was done. Was it after school? Yeah. I remember, yeah, that must have been it. Cause I remember, I think we were like doing practice. Yeah. I was coming out at two 30. Yeah. Cause I think yep. it was like, I remember being like going down, like in the gym wing mm-hmm. and seeing something. I was like, what, what's going on? But of course I like, don't know any different. I think we we're like walking up to the field for practice and you're seeing cop cars and you're like, I don't know what the heck's going on. But, yeah. um, just me. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> making a scene. It's all right. Um, so, um, so the people that you're dealing with now, like what's the, like what's your mindset now with, with helping people get over drug addictions or, or substance abuse? Like what's, uh, 
like when you go into work every day, like what's, what's your goal? What's your mindset? What's your like focus? Um, I mean, I, I just talk. That's it. Like, I mean, I don't really like, I'm, I hope that what I say makes a difference, but at the same time, like I'm a realist, Mm -hmm. you know, like I know most of the time what I say goes in one ear and out the other, but I want to, I want to think that it's benefiting people. And people do tell me like when they talk to me, it does benefit them and they do enjoy talking to me. But at the same time, I mean, you get someone that has, you know, that's not in that mindset, you know, it's, it's just words, you know, they're not going to put anything into action. They just, you know, well, I think it's hearing stuff over and over and over again, like just keep repeating yourself. Yep. And even like, and I find, I find a lot, um, again, my experience is like, I'll, I'll tell agent stuff and I'll tell agent stuff and I'll tell agent stuff. Yep. And finally they start doing it. I was like, I've been saying it for a year or two years, but it's just, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. there's times people have told me stuff and it just doesn't click until you're, um, like you're ready to hear it or you're in a mindset to hear it or you're, you're ready to take action on whatever you hear. Um, cause everybody's different. So I think it's more, you just talk to people and then also kind of, like you said, be that peer advocate, like, Hey, Chad's a guy I can talk to mm-hmm. about whatever. And like yeah. I said, a free, like no judgment, just going to let, like, I'm going to hear you out. I'm going to give you my, my perspective. I'm going to, you know, and again, you coming from a position of, you know, kind of been, you know, you, or you have been there and giving them a firsthand account Like me telling them what to do is like, me like, okay, great. Like here's, here's a guy telling me how to do business and he's a professor at a college, you know, cause they don't right. like, they're not really in the real world. Um, do you, so do you find over the last couple of years, has there, there been any, um, you know, big wins for you over the last couple of years, either with clients or even personally, like, Hey, maybe, maybe just by talking to people, I've gotten over some stuff. I, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked at it that way. Um, I don't really see, I don't know. I take a very background approach in a way. Um, I take a very, you know, inside inside looking out kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't want, I don't judge people, but like I analyze people, Mm -hmm. you know, I help motivate people to, you know, get where they want to be because everyone always says, Oh yeah, you know, I want to do this or I want to do that. Okay. Those are just words. Like anybody can say that. Mm -hmm. What are you doing about it? Like, and that's the thing. No one knows how to put those things into action. So reward wise, for me, I mean, I, I don't look for the reward. You know, the reward is kind of them being thankful that they have someone like me in order to talk to, you know, that they can really talk to and, you know, have that relatability to where I understand exactly where you're coming from. Like I tell clients all the time, like, you know, you tell me you use Coke or you use crack or, you know, whatever drug, I'll know how you felt. I know exactly how you felt because I've been there. So it's a whole nother, you know, element to that where, you know, a a counselor can't talk about their life, but I can. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother element to substance abuse treatment. Um, Does talking with, does talking with the clients ever make you feel like you want to try again or use again or no? No. Like when they tell you the experiences or like any part in like, you know, attachment to like, Oh, I do remember that feeling. It was a great feeling. Like, you know, you get these certain things where it's like, Oh, I was just felt awesome. Euphoric, whatever. Like I want to try it again. I mean, I'm not going to say that I, I, I've never have urges to use, you know what I mean? I, I that that's always going to be there no matter what I'm doing in life. Um, 
because with anything you re- reminisce on kind of the good times mm-hmm. you know so but at the same time yeah i mean that stuff happened but there's always lessons within those kind of things like you know you know things have you know good or bad there's always consequences I mean, yeah, the bad ones are stick out more, but the good ones, you know, you might not even notice, but it's a consequence no matter what. So for me, like, I know I always have urges and cravings. Um, and that's just something that you cope with. You have to be able to adapt because knowing what's on the other side of that use mm-hmm. is a whole nother monster. Whole nother monster. So you think there's a level of... Um like people typically do stuff out of love or fear. Like you find there's a fear, oh, there's a fear factor of like, I don't I, want that ever happening. I mean, a lot of things are based on feelings, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I feel sad. You know, a lot of people use that to justify use. Oh, I feel sad. I'll go use. I won't feel it anymore. Oh, I feel happy. Let's celebrate. You know, it's the same thing with even alcohol. You know, someone has a long day at work. Oh, I'll have a beer and relax, you know. And then that beer turns into, you know, five, six, seven throughout the night. And then you sleep like crap. And then you wake up the next day and wonder why you're all hungover. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, addiction is, is very, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, I'm sure you know someone that's addicted to something. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody does. It's just, we don't want it in our faces. That's the problem. Um, you know, people, people will know someone's addicted to something and will either judge them for it or, you know, talk behind their back. But, you know, once they're in front of their face, Oh, is everything okay? You know, it's, or they'll just completely ignore it. So there's a, like addictions, addictions, anything, it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. like, you know, you talk about like drugs or alcohol or, or anything like that. I mean, you go down as simple as, um, like eating. put it, put it, yeah. Eating addiction. You put it in like moderate stuff, like work addiction, mm-hmm. um, video game addiction, cell phone addiction. There's healthy ones and there's unhealthy. Yeah, and it, and it depends. What, but it, kind of the same aspect. It's what deems it healthy or unhealthy. Obviously, drugs. You could say probably not a healthy addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, you look at someone that's you know eating. Is that a healthy addiction? Well, not if it's going to negatively affect the way you are. There's people that are that are addicted to healthy eating mm-hmm. where they're neurotic about every single thing they put in their body to the point where it's like, they can't, they're just like so wired, fantastic, eat great. But is that a healthy addiction or not? They're addicted to something that's healthy. You know, I've seen people addicted to working out. I've seen people addicted to sports. I've seen people addicted to, uh, work. I mean, there's times a few years ago, I worked all the time because in my mind, you know, plenty of people said you're working too much. And I'm like, well, Am I or like one, I would say, yes, I was, but I was doing it in the fact that I was trying to build something that I knew I needed to put the, like you said, there nothing happens. Just, you know, put it five hours into, can't put five hours into recovery. Five hours into my job. Wasn't going to make, move the needle 50, 60, 70. Yes. So mm-hmm. I was putting in those hours, but I also liked what I was doing. Exactly. So when I look at like certain, certain addictions, it depends what they are. I think a lot of addictions, um, are people's perception skewing it a certain way? Mm-hmm. If you're Absolutely. addicted, if you play the guitar and you're addicted to playing, um, you know, take a musician. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love Dave Matthews band. Take Dave Matthews. If Dave Matthews, I guarantee you is addicted to playing guitar. Oh, absolutely. And is that a bad addiction? 
so and someone could argue like they said well dave all you do is play guitar i'm sure as a kid all, all you do is play guitar elton john all you do is play piano yep. like go play outside go do something and he's like well i like it and i'm good at it and then all of a sudden then it gets to the point where now it's accepted because they're very very um a musician no good yeah. at that yeah like i take a, again a golfer i look at a professional golfer they're really good if i go play golf all day long people be like dude all you do is play golf yep so i mean there's a there's an idea where you know an addiction i think is is perceived more than it actually is an addiction so that's what i was wondering like are you do, when you talk about addiction addiction is there anything that you believe you're addicted to still like, do you have a mindset that you're addicted to? Like, do you play video games all the time? Do you play, you know, do you do TV? So you like sitting down, binging Facebook, TV? even. I mean, the way I see addiction is anything that inconveniences your life. Um, so you drink coffee, right? Mm-hmm. Are you ever late to work for getting coffee? Um, I probably, yeah, I probably could say I could. That's I could be addiction. late for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. That's an addiction. So... It's you, inconveniencing your, you know, your career in a way. Do you think the way you're late? You know, I mean, I know. Yeah. You know, no, no, being just, your own, yeah. having your own schedule is a little different. But like, you know, someone that's working that nine to five job mm-hmm. and they go get that cup of coffee because they're running late. Say it's eight fifty five, and now it's nine oh five, and they're not at work yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Oh, I, I really I, needed that cup of coffee. I really need my caffeine. Yeah, I would say I, I'm I'm definitely addicted to coffee. Um, most days. Like if I take a co- like if I take coffee and like Galen, okay, like I just finished this coffee. If you're like you cannot touch coffee between now and the end of the month, so yeah. you have three and a half weeks. You have 25 days to go before you get another cup of coffee. If you told me I had to do it, and I was like, well, why? Is just to prove that? Like if you're like just to prove that you could do it, I'm like, well, no, I'm good. I'll have coffee. But if you're like some reward on it, like mm-hmm. hey, then I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I because I can. Typically, when I don't feel good, I stop drinking coffee for a couple of days. Like if I had a headache or if I just like felt like sinus infection, mm-hmm. I don't drink coffee when I'm sick, and I'll go like okay. I'll go like a week without coffee, and, and I won't get headaches, I won't get anything. Um, oh, you're lucky. Yeah, like it. It's, you don't drink enough. That's why. I, I think I drink almost. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got enough like reserved in the bank that it's like <laughs> you take a couple of days off, but you're good. You still get it. So I I love coffee. I think growing up, I just always drink. I drink a lot of tea with my mom growing up. My grandparents like I think it's just like sipping on something hot. Okay. Um. I do like coffee. I make it every morning. Like it's part of like a routine. It's your routine. I, I just like sipping on and it. And that's, that's so it. So it, there's so a try breaking that routine. So yeah. So there, <laughs> there's definitely, yeah. So like to me, I would say I have a coffee addiction, but when you start talking like it's hard, like it goes from a want to a need mm-hmm. coffee to me is still a want. I drink it all the time, okay. but if I it would not be a need. If you were saying you could stop drinking, I could stop drinking coffee. I mean, I enjoy drinking coffee. Absolutely. But, but yeah. I mean, everything has, its own pros and cons and that's the thing i mean yeah okay so you stop drinking say you stop drinking coffee okay you're gonna i mean you're gonna have withdrawals mm-hmm. even with coffee with anything it's you know you get the headaches you know you might feel lethargic um you know you don't have that motivation to do stuff and that's that's the withdrawal i mean yeah you're not laying in bed like oh i'm dying but well like if you when you said uh like addiction to TV, would you do you watch too much TV where it affects your sleep, affects your work, affects your your health or anything? I mean, sitting down for extended periods of time isn't really good for you to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like I'll put things off and say, or I, you know, 
I won't go to bed until I finish an episode or something like mm-hmm. that, you know, depending or so then it could affect your sleep, which could affect Absolutely. your performance the next day. So that Absolutely. kind of stuff. Yep. Um, no, I think that's the case. If people like binge TV shows, mm-hmm. or, um, especially now. Yeah. I, I mean, do you find like that you would just punt stuff throughout the day, like responsibilities you need because you have to watch TV? Um, sometimes to an extent, um, you know, I still know that. I mean, I do stuff while I'm watching TV, mm-hmm. but the TV's always on, even as background noise, you know? So it's like, or I'll be doing something and I'll look up and start watching TV. And I'm just like, no, you got to do this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because I was thinking, like, do you all of a sudden, like, start a TV show in the morning and you're working an hour and all of a sudden you just blow off work because you want to watch? No, watch no, TV? not that far. Okay. Yeah, not that but far. I didn't know because, I mean, there's like, <laughs> like, I would say, like, I'm trying to think like addiction, like, like, I like music. Could I? be an addiction to music if I have music playing a lot, you know? And that's the thing is like, I, I don't play it on all the time, but so it's like right. there's different things where I think some addictions are bad. Some of them are, I think potentially beneficial, but it's always like too much of anything's not good. You yep. know, like can you overdo everything? It's, like, it's discipline. And I, and I mean, a lot of things that, you know, TV, TV is a distraction. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. TV yeah, is just a, a giant distraction from life around you. Do, do most of the TV shows? So I find that TV or anything you watch is either distra- I'll call it entertainment or I'll call it like you can learn. There's times like I'll watch like I watch a lot of YouTube. Like I'll watch YouTube to learn something. Okay. And then there's sometimes I just watch YouTube to be entertained. Yeah. So there's kind of a benefit or a, like I'm watching, but one is to try to increase knowledge of stuff, and one's just to purely like just like relax at the end of the day and zone out. Yeah. So it's kind of like I pick and choose that like. Even like series and stuff, I try to watch them. It's tough. I have my patient, like my sit down and like concentrate and watch something is not very good. So like I even a half hour show, I'm like, I'm get, starting to get squirrely and I'm like moving and I'm like, pl- like talking, like I'll be talking to my wife or I'll be like on my phone or we'll be like, go walk around and come back and realize I'll miss 10 minutes. So like, I just can't sit for 10 minutes to right. watch a show. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. So now I, I remember talking to you before, um, you said you read a lot in prison. Oh yeah. So, do you still read a lot? I've been, you know, it's, it's like high school. Like, you know, in high school, I never read, mm-hmm. and you know, then you get to prison, and it's like, well, what else am I gonna do? Yeah, you can go and watch TV, which we called the Idiot Box, because I, that's really what it was. This was I mean, where at, at home? No, this prison? is at at prison in prison. Okay. Um, you know, because everyone would want to watch like reality TV, and it's like. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so like I, I escaped into books and that was like my world. Like I, I, I made up for all my reading. I didn't do in high school. I can <laughs> tell you that much. It was, it was a lot. Um, like I'd go, I read the whole Harry Potter series. I took, I was in keep lock at that time. I was cube confined. It literally took me a week. I was reading a book a day to read all seven. Yeah. Not even kidding. So it's, and having read those books, you can definitely get in your own world reading those. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate. It almost takes like, you out of your existence, and now you feel you're in Hogwarts yeah, or wherever. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I mean, that was, I mean, not so much my way to escape, but, like, to pass the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it was. I mean, I, I read um, the Sword of Truth series. That's literally, like, 15 books, and they're over 1,000 pages is that long. The, is that the Game of Thrones? No, no. Uh, I did read that one, too. That one took me a, All a minute. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the last one to come out. I'm excited. Is there only one more? Yep. 
And he's going to finish it? And he's it? milking it. <laughs> Do you think it's going to follow the way the series ended? Um, no. It better not. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't... I didn't um, and that's why they kind of freelanced. Which one? The, the series? The, the actual series, so yeah. So the series... Because he didn't finish it yet. Yeah, so I knew the seri- he hadn't finished the ending. I haven't read any of the books. I stopped watching the second episode of season seven. Okay. So I actually haven't finished season seven, and I never watched the final season. I was going to try to watch the... F- I wanted to finish seven, so when the final season came out, I could watch it. And then, like I said, I don't sit well and watch shows. So mm-hmm. I pretty much didn't finish it. And then by the time the series ended up ending, the first few episodes, people were like, oh my God, it's great. And then it was like, what, maybe 10 episodes? By the yeah. time we got to the end, everybody was it's like, so uh, disappointing. yeah, it didn't so really end great. So it's like, so in my head, I'm like, well, I could spend another 20 hours watching the rest of the series, or I could just not. Yeah. So I just chose yeah. not to. But maybe I mean, I'll do it again. It's worth watching, but like, I don't know. I don't know. Like the books amazing so, so what was the other series the long one 15 um books. sort of truth um it's by terry goodkind um it's it's got a lot like this kid is like trying to become like he's like got these magical powers and he goes into this distant land and it's it's a lot of like wizardy and, and sorcery so it is kind a fantasy of stuff. kind of book yeah but it's a lot there's a lot of politics in it too how how thick are each book um at least 1300 pages a book at least yes yes i think the biggest one was 1800 holy and, shit yeah they're like bibles yeah and the and print 15 is of them? really small yep oh yeah so this guy's like he goes in he just writes yeah it, it's amazing the, like, not a new a series great author no it's been what's it called sort of truth so you've read the whole thing yeah yep i'd read it again too if i had to time but i mean i could but you know tv gets in the way <laughs> i think i think if you read that once through you're good <laughs> oh my goodness so eight so average about 1300 pages 1500 yeah about that but they're they're literally page turners like i mean are the chapters long um maybe about 20 30 pages a piece my, my favorite books are like the dan brown books you read dan brown yep it was like when like yeah, a, I read all those a chapters like a page and a half. Yeah. And I love it because like, it keeps you going quick because you'll <laughs> yeah. read it and be like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. Because if I find I get to the chapter and it's 13 pages. Yeah, it's like pages, that cutoff point. And I'm, you know? I'm done. Yeah. Or if I'm like, that's only three pages for the next chapter. I'll read I, it. I and I'll be like, yeah. it's only two. It's only another two. Okay. I just end up finishing yep. 10 more pages. So um, have you, you've read all the Dan Brown books? Yep. Um, I'm, I still have to finish Inferno, which is oh, up there. That's a good one. So, this, so the funny thing is. I read the Da Vinci Code back in high school. Mm-hmm. I read Angels and Demons, I think, in high school. Mm-hmm. I read Lost Symbol, I think, around college. Okay. Which I have the Lost Symbol over. I think I have most of them here, Lost Symbol. Um, Inferno, I started reading in 2000, February of 2017. Started reading it. <laughs> I still think it's still on the same page because I haven't picked it up in four years. Because mm-hmm. it's just like I'm so slow reading. So I'll read it, and I just lost interest. I read, um, so I want to, I want to reread that, or not reread. I want to start from the beginning because I'm right. about hundred pages in. But they did do an infernal movie. Yeah, right. I think I've seen that, and, it and I and I think Tom Hanks is in it. Yep, because he was in the other two. Mm-hmm. And now the Lost Symbol is coming out as a movie. That's right. Yep, but not with Tom Hanks. The, I think the books are way better. Anything oh, with absolutely. books is so much better. Well, the, the Da Vinci Code, the movie is a little bit different than the book, from mm-hmm. what I remember. Yep. I remember reading, because I saw Da Vinci Code first, then I read the book, and I was like, why did they leave this out? Because it was incredible. Um, the Lost Symbol was cool because it was DC. 
And Inferno, I believe, is back in Italy. Yep. The setting, but I have not, like I said, I didn't get to read the whole thing. So that's that's one I have to read through because those books are page turners. Yeah. Angels and, De- Angels and Demons is my favorite one. I actually like that better. Yeah, than that Witcher. one was good. So uh, Digital Fortress. Yep. That was another good one, but that wasn't with Robert Langdon. No. That was like a different person. Yeah. But they're all, um, wait, wait, what did I just say? Digital. Digital Fortress. Is that what it's called? I think so. Digital Point, Digital Fortress. Digital Fortress, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was a good one. There was another one that he did, Deception Point. Yes. Okay. That yeah. was where the point was. I didn't read that one. Is yeah, that good? That one's decent. Okay. He, he's a great author. Like He's out of uh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, him and uh, I think Stephen King's New Hampshire. Oh yeah, I'm pretty I sure. Think, uh, I didn't yeah. read any of those books, but yeah, he has a new one out. Stephen King. Have you um, read his books? Because he's another. He has too much detail. I'm you reading think? uh Billy Summers now. His new one that he just came out with. And Stephen King. Yeah, it's about like an assassin who wants to do a last job. It's not so much horror. Yeah, but it's thriller. more thriller. Yeah. Are those your favorite kind of books, or do you like the sci-fi? I would, fantasy? I mean, I, I don't. I'll read anything. I like thrillers. Like, I, I like, like romance turns. novels. Huh? Do you? I, oh yeah. Um, my wife's been reading a lot lately. Um, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple. Actually, the girl I had on last episode, she's a like. Very, I mean, we t- she reads a ton. Right. So that's also where it's like, is it addiction to reading? Because she reads a lot, or is it just because she really likes reading? So, but she, uh, same thing. She likes like young adult novels. Right. Um, but she reads a ton of books. She huh. she took a couple off my shelf that she's gonna peruse through and i'm sure i'll get them back in like a week because she's a pretty quick reader but um yeah no i think reading's reading's good so the uh what was your favorite series or favorite book you read i would have to say the sword of truth yeah yeah i'm that i mean i read a lot and i hardly i mean it's just like movies you know did you, you read see so many movies and you don't remember them do you read did you read through it all in one shot like you read those yeah. 15 in a row yep so it's not like you read like a harry potter book in between no nope it was uh, once i was on a series just like Binge watching shows. Yeah. You know, once you're on a series, so you just stay with it. it. Just, yeah. So did you get all 15 at one shot or did you have to keep like asking for No, I, I got all 15. And so they came in like a big box. You just said, all right, let's go. Nope. Wow. Yeah. How long did it take you to read that whole thing? Um, That was, I think about, I want to say a month, two months. Wow. Wasn't that long. Like, yeah. I was thinking like that's a year. A, that's all I really did. I mean, I would sit in my cube and read and that's why people would say, you know, you don't do time. Time does you mm-hmm. because that's. That's all I was doing. So you're just sitting there chilling, reading? Yep. And that's, you know, that's where a lot of people, like, they respected me because of the way I maneuvered and moved, you know. Um, I wasn't so much, like, all over the place and, like, hunting for things. Like, I was me, you know. Yeah, you're just kind of like, I, okay, I know my time. I'm just going to make the best of it. That's it. Like you said, try to try to make the best of a situation that's not great. and mm-hmm. um, That's all you can do. So... I, I guess, yeah, because I was at like five years. When you hear five years, what's that like? What's the processing through your mind on that? Because obviously it's not like, it's a short, if, r- prison time It's a relatively short amount of time. Oh, yeah. So like when you look at other people that have been in there for decades. Oh, my goodness. Versus you being like five years. Because like you said, you're, you know, you come out early 30s. And the way modern medicine's going, you probably got another 70 years at least. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, so it's kind of, you look at, but you look at the ideas like you could live another whole life. Yeah. Like that's what I'm saying. You hear five years or should go in here for like 70 years. Like, well, fuck, I'm done. Yeah. And it all depends on where you're at when you come out. I mean, a lot of people come out with that trip on your, their shoulder. Like I'm better than everybody else, but mm-hmm. I, I, I don't see it that way. Um, 
you know, and that's that all goes to mindset. It's, you know, where do you want to be in your life? And I wanted to do better for my own life. So, uh, you know, that's that was my choice. So what now that you're now that you're out kind of blank slate starting over, like what uh, like what, what's your what's your goals? Like what, what's some stuff you want to accomplish? So right now I'm doing DeVry online, I'm doing uh, network communications management with a major in cybersecurity. Um, I got another, I think I graduate in May from that of next year. And then, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm a very go with the flow kind of person, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that plans out like, Oh, okay. This is what I'm doing next week. You know, I, I, I I like to live in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And take things as they are. Like, I'm not one to worry about, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? It's not tomorrow yet. We'll deal with that when we get there. Do you find uh, going about it that way, do you find like anxiety is pretty low? That you're just kind of like... Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. So you, I, I live a very spontaneous life. You know, if I want to get up and go somewhere, I get up and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's why I, I like what I do with my job, because I have that ability to be like, OK, I'm a, see you later. I'm going to go to the park and talk to somebody. You mm-hmm. know, um, I have that way of being able to be spontaneous, like, oh, OK, uh, I'll go to probation or whatever, you know, wherever I need to go to figure things out or promote marketing or, you know, help with referrals or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm literally like I can go wherever I want to, to an extent. I mean, obviously I can't leave the County and stuff like that, but like, um, you like know, right now you still can't leave the County. Oh no, I can leave the County, but oh. I mean, like work wise. Like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm not going to go out and like, you know, yeah. But, oh, but yeah, days off, your, your days off, you can do whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. You know, I got the motorcycle now, so I been take I trips and remark. I, I saw the, that you're the only guy that came in with a full leather get up and a helmet. I was getting chilly. Out I, there. No, it was, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were t- I was talking about when Jonah came and he had the moped. I'm like, it's the only guy to come in a bike and Jonah looked like he came out of like a, <laughs> basically came out all dressed up, like see all dressed up, but he wasn't like looking like a biker. He right. just like, looked like he came in a car and all of a sudden I see him out in his little moped <laughs> and he actually goes. It's getting kind of cold. He started like putting on like mm-hmm. heavier pants. As oh he was yeah. I mean, even though it's sixty degrees, I mean that wind cuts through you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, what kind of bike you have? Uh, I got a Honda Rebel eleven hundred DCT, and that's your main. That's your main transportation for now. Um, my car is a lease. I got a Honda Civic Si um, that comes up in. February and I got thirty three thousand miles on it right now. Um, so, but you take the bike more on nice days. Yep. Yeah. Good yeah. choice. Yep. Um, when did you get your motorcycle license? Um. Oh, that's a, that's. Were a you a kid or older? Um. I literally just got it. Okay. Three months ago. Okay. I was gonna say because I don't remember you riding bikes. Around no. Before. No. So. Um. <laughs> so I, I I wanted to. I got an electric bike. I was like, oh, I want to, I want something real, you know, cause I can only go so far on that. So I ended up, I was like, okay, so I'm going to do the, the motorcycle permit. I did that online. So then I signed up for the, the motorcycle course on, um, on the base. Okay. So it cost me $310. I got in that week. So the end you of that. signed up and got so, in. So yeah. So Sunday night I took my permit test. Monday I, I was able to make an appointment at DMV. It was still COVID. Um, wow. make an appointment at DMV for two thirty that next day to go get my permit. 
So I got my permit. I took the course that week. They give you that little card, pass my driving course. So basically a week you got your everything. Yep. And so, but they still had the COVID stuff going on. So I couldn't go like that next Monday. Be like, hey, I need my license now. Um, so I had to wait until the week after that to make an appointment to get my license. But I still have my permit. So I take the driving course. So that week, that Friday, I ended up taking out a personal loan. Went and got a bike. That Monday, I went and got my license. So from like thinking about getting a bike to actually oh, being so able to- impulsive, so impulsive. So it's like I just want to get my license. <laughs> and you just like this is how we do it, and we got it in like a couple weeks. Yep, not even, not even. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's literally you set your mind to do something. Yeah, so like, I just it's want up it. To you. Do- it's up to you. I mean, yeah, I could wait. You know, I get my my permit, but the whole thing is now they're only keeping the permit for like a year. So when you want of like four. So when you want to do something, do you just just get it done as quick as possible? Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't procrastinate. It's stuff you want to do. You don't procrastinate. Oh, I on. still procrastinate. But on stuff With you want to do. Yes. Yeah. Well, things I want to do. Yeah. Because yes. there's times like I'm sitting there like I want it done now and I just do it. Like college, procrastinate so bad. It's to, terrible. Yeah. So like, I'm to the point now like. If I need like work done or like even the house this past weekend, I was like, this has to get done. And I've just been like, I've been going through and like organizing, and cleaning out, like, mm-hmm. like spring cleaning. This is like end of summer cleaning. So <laughs> I just cleaning. like go to, I clean up my garage. I cleaned out my shed. I cleaned the other day. I cleaned, my, I cleaned up my son's room. Like just like organize it, like mm-hmm. just going through, but that's my thing. I'm like, no, it needs to be done. Let's just do it. Like, yep. like I like make my coffee, make a drink, whatever. I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to cram through this and get it done. Um, same thing with work. I'm like, you know, you get a lot of people be like, well, I'll get it to you. Um, yeah, you just get it to me at the end of the week. I'm like, why, why yep. not tomorrow? Like, if you can get it done by tomorrow, let's just do it. We just save three days. Like, yeah, we just save exactly. time. If you do that all the time, you're saving years. So it's like, that's what I, I always try to focus on is like, what can I just get done? And let me just like try to get it done and not yeah. push it out just for the sake of pushing it out. See, that's how I am with work too. But personal life, not so much, you know. But what do you mean? You're, you're... I, I procrastinate less at work. Cause gotcha. I, I'm really gung ho at work. Like I was like, okay, yeah, what do you, you want to accomplish? Need done? Whatever you got, yeah. Okay, let's do these applications. Like I could do three housing applications in a half hour. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's just paperwork. That's yeah. easy. But someone, you know, a client will be like, oh, you know, I'll put, oh yeah, give me the application, and you won't get it back for a month. Yeah, yeah. But they're just, just right so worried about housing, though. Yeah, yeah. No, so, exactly. Let's just yeah. get it done. Yeah. So I'm the guy that says, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not putting this off, not like, and then, you know, you get into the, you know, oh, I don't have this or I don't have that. It's like procrastinating is like as a kid and you're like, hey, this is doing six weeks and everybody does it the last week. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. like, well, it's not a six weeks worth of work. It's just, we're giving you a lot of time to do it. It's like, if you just said it's due in a week, I'm like, all right, I got to buckle down. I got to get done. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's like, that's just stuff I always remember is like, yeah, you got, you got eight weeks to do a project. And it's like, nobody does it the first six weeks. And then all no. of a sudden, like somebody... I'd be surprised if people actually did it that quickly. And you know, it's funny. Like, okay, so senior year, you know, we have the senior project, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So I actually did that. Like, I didn't (laughs) procrastinate it at all. Like, okay, I need to get this done. Yeah. I did it. What what was your thing? What was your topic? I had uh, excellence. In what, though? um, I did uh, William Minor. Excellence. Like, I did kind of like a biography of him and his excellence in building the school and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I got an A on that. The senior project, I, 
so I don't think people actually like, I think people have senior projects, but when you ask them like, what was your senior project? And it was like an essay, but like, no, no, you didn't do a senior project. Like our senior project was just yeah. on steroids. A, a 20, a 20 page paper with a presentation. Like, yeah. Like I think a 20 page paper was like a part of your presentation. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, like you got like a bunch of stuff to do like that. Oh, that's by the way, that's one like thing. And I, and I remember, I remember breaking it down. Cause we had, I think I forgot what year we ended up doing it. Um, I think ours was like a, um, it was kind of like a trial for like mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. Because yep. I remember there's like a transition and we kind of had this weird. We were the guinea pigs. Yeah. Yep. I remember it had to do with a theme. Yeah. That's, that's it what it theme, was. Yep. And, but it was a theme. And then a subtopic. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Cause so you did, you did expectation was your theme. Excellence. excellence. I did excellence. And then William H. Minor. Okay. So mine was dreams and dreams versus reality was my theme. And mm-hmm. I did Irish immigration. Mm. that was mine so yep. i did a lot with like my grandfather's from ireland so i'm like this would be kind of cool like let's pick that theme and when you start breaking down because a lot of it was you had to find themes of themes so i remember i think i don't know if it was <laughs> war and peace i think it was war and peace or maybe it was a book by hemingway it was something like i the wizard of oz was one of the things i picked because i had to be dreams of reality because you had to find the theme yep and uh i remember one of the other ones i made with the help of uh Mr. Patnode, because mm, yep. I, I came up, I remember going in, you might have been there too, because I'm like, oh, I'm I trying, probably was. But like, I remember going in on weekends at, or like Sunday, and like Patnode would have it open for kids to work on the senior project. He'd be working on the yearbook or something. Yep. And I remember yeah, going, remember like the big tables in the library? Mm-hmm. So I just remember like, you know, you'd always have just like seniors in there, and everybody would kind of just like grab their own table somewhere, and you'd just like scatter out your note cards, you'd scatter out all your information, oh and you basically just spent hours trying to organize and come up with this project. But I, I, I believe I still have it at my parents' house, but it was one of those projects that when you were done, because you started it in September. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, by the way, it's due in three weeks. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. It took you no. an entire year yeah. to come up with all the projects you needed. And I remember having the presentation, and I, so, for some reason, I still remember this. I butchered this bad. We we had to have the boards due by a certain date. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I was like, I was pretty particular like on my stuff. So I knew like when due dates were and things yep, like deadlines, that. Deadlines, all that. Yep. Yeah, and I screwed up on one of the deadlines. And the poster board, I was like, good, it's due like a week from Friday. Say it's Thursday. I'm like, it's due, I have a week. I'm like, good. I planned everything. All next week, the only thing I have to do for this is come up with my poster board. And I already mm-hmm. kind of had some stuff sketched out. I'm like, this is great. I'll make it make it happen. I like gave myself enough time. Like, this is perfect. And then I think I remember sitting in class and then Mrs. Brown goes, yeah, so the poster boards, everybody's just, you know, we'll have them in by tomorrow. We'll get them all set. And I remember being like, <laughs> tomorrow is next Friday, right? She's like, no, no, the poster boards are due tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> and I remember looking at the sheet. I'm like, she's definitely wrong. I looked at the sheet. I'm like, oh, no, no, she's right. Like, cause I, for whatever reason, whatever reason I screwed up on my time. Right. So long story short, I ended up putting this poster board together overnight and I thought it was halfway decent. Actually, no, I actually wasn't good at all. I did another good one for <laughs> earlier in the year on Ireland also, which I should have kept. And I remember like my critique was, done. my critique was, yeah, when they went through and they did everything, it was like, mm. very good job. Poster board was a little weak. I'm like, <laughs> I literally did it the night before because I was like, shoot, I, I like I completely screwed it all up. But uh, no, it was fun. But like I said, you get the satisfaction after getting like yeah. finishing. Oh, absolutely, like yeah. So it's kind of one like you earned it, but you felt good turning it in because you're like, I busted my ass to put this together. Yeah, and it was kind of cool because everybody did it, and it wasn't easy. So like when you finished it, you're like, okay, like 
we're a family. Yeah. I'm like, we're all crazy <laughs> enough to do this thing. So, um, Chad, I pre- we'll wrap it up there. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Anytime. I mean, I, the good thing is I've gotten to see you over the last, COVID was, a, that took away some time, but like, I've seen you probably what, three times, four times, probably in the last two, three years. Yeah. So I say three years because COVID yeah. took a little jump there, but uh, no, it's always good to, like I said, kind of catch back up with you and see you. And, absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, I think the, the full circle of where you were to where you are now. And the weird thing is with 20s, everybody's kind of in their own world, I find, for their 20s because you're like in school, you're trying to get a job, you're like, you may be married, may not be married. Like, so I find like the portion of time that you were gone, I think was a lot of like our, like our peers also trying to figure out what the hell they were doing, yeah. just obviously in a different route. But then it's all like, okay, we're back to 30s, and it doesn't it doesn't seem like much has changed. No. So it's like, really? so it's cool no. to catch up with you and see other people. And I'm like, it still feels like we're like in high school, even though now we're, you know, adults with jobs and careers and children and families and stuff. But it's always good to catch up with old, uh, old classmates and, and uh, reconnect. So, um, Chad, if anybody wants to find you, reach out, um, check you out. Maybe, like I said, maybe they're need help or anything how can they get a hold of you um so or conifer yeah um so conifer is numbers 518-561-0130 you can always set up an intake um my number is 518-312-0062 if you ever you know need support um and you want to come into the clinic um i can help you know bridge that gap of it and you know give you the lowdown of what we actually do and if anyone's interested um help is always out there um you never have to do it alone yeah awesome well chad thank you so much um anybody reach out to chad from you know like i said great great guy i've always enjoyed you especially even back in back in the day nothing much has changed thank you you're you're still you're still the uh i always find it funny when i first talked first saw you again i was like Dude, nothing's changed. Like, it literally just feels like we was in high school again. And so I always love catching up with high school buddies. So, um, Chad, thank you very much. That is episode 156 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.